Welcome back. This is Red Pill Politics. You listen to the Republic Broadcasting Network. We are live here. It is February 25th already. And uh, just rocket sledding our way through the winter months. Coming into spring. Beautiful, sunny, but cold day here. We're in the mid-20s here in uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. But a beautiful, sunny day. And one of the treats I've got for you. I'm dedicating today's show to our friend Pat, recently passed away. But it was one of uh, her sentiments that she always left with when she called in is that uh, she did not want to forget about the J6ers. So in memory of Pat and uh, other listeners, too, as I said in the beginning of the show, it's probably the most frequent comment that I get is uh, keeping the J6er thing alive and keeping it front and center. So that's what this week's show is about. First segment, we had Daniel Goodwin uh, done a great job, got a number of websites. They're down in the description, right? If you're following us on uh, Rumble, you'll find everything down in the description down there, how you can check out these sites, write letters. You can submit uh, videos uh, observations, whatever. There's a way to submit tips. Um, we're just a, a wealth of stuff. You really will spend hours there uh, with with things that you can uh, uh, use yourself, share around, write letters, find the people that are incarcerated in your state, let them know that you are out there, and when we're still thinking about them. Good stuff. Thank you, Daniel. Our second guest for the second segment of the show is Felicia Canald. She is a single mom and has recently been sentenced and at one point had, I believe, 36 years over her head. And uh, I'd like to welcome her uh, to the show. Felicia, how are you today? I'm um, still kicking. Woke up this morning to it being my birthday. So, Oh, I didn't the know The last few years, it's been yeah. much better than the previous well, happy birthday to you. I did not know that. Happy birthday, Felicia. Wonderful. Um, I, <laughs> I I struggled. Most people, I can put together a bio, um, and, and I had uh, the most difficult time with you because you're just kind of a free soul. You were uh, traveling around the country, you know, you you know, and, you know, I just didn't know how to introduce you, so... Um, other than being a, a single mom that got caught up in a horrible mess, um, I'm <laughs> going to let you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Is you seem to have just been, you know, traveling uh, the country 
uh, came through D.C. at the time the, the rally was going on and just kind of popped in and got swept up in the action. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Felicia. Yeah, so I'm 30 years old today. <clears throat> I was about 27, I think, at the time. Um, had just had a severe life, almost deadly motor vehicle accident. So I was incapacitated and unable to work. Had never traveled and decided I could sit and drive. So I drove around the whole United States. My last state I visited was Washington, D.C. Um, I met people there that day that looked real cool. Were very nice people. Hung out with them. Uh, walked inside the Capitol, fist bumped police officers, told my love you, <laughs> uh, left when asked, and then returned home. Um, my home life, I just kind of, I homestead. I grow organic fruits and vegetables and partner with like um, ranchers for beef and dairy and stuff. Uh, I live on in southern Arizona, close to the border of Mexico. So that's been interesting with unrelated to January 6th, but its own events that most people don't really um, have to deal with. Yet yeah, they will. Um, yeah, and I homeschool my kids. That's kind of a bit about me, I guess. I do. Um, I used to do and I went to school for and my whole career was um, animal medicine. So I've worked in the ER and ICU for the last while. Um, I was recently fired from both of my ICU jobs after long term because of my um, charges and being sentenced legally. So that's been fun. Um, yeah. And, and was that just, just a matter of it? internal policy with those places that you were working at it was just a matter of policy and they let you go yeah so a lot of medical fields don't hire felon felons and i now have a felony so um you know and i'm going to reach out uh, as we talk more in, in the show here um is hopefully there's people out there listening the nonprofit sector is uh, alive and well i'm sure there's a lot of nonprofits that have to do with agriculture and animal husbandry and whatnot uh hopefully our interview today makes it to their ears as uh they might be looking for a good employee maybe we can match you up with something but um yeah. what a shock that must have been when you when you first uh, arrived there in dc on the day of the rally and, and I asked Daniel uh, the same thing. You know, what was your feeling? I've, uh, for me, it was, you know, there were places that were almost like a carnival-like atmosphere. It was a woman walking around with a, a wedding dress carrying a little karaoke machine and people singing and selling T-shirts. And it really didn't resemble an insurrection uh, at all. But what were your thoughts when you arrived at that event that day? Yeah, so I think everyone can agree that there was, um, I don't know, like the sense of happiness, like the joy there. I don't do good in crowds or public places. And there was so many people there, a significant amount. So I'd never seen that many people in my life. So that alone had me very nervous and like anxious, but people were so happy and so nice. Um, the entire time leading up until they started getting gassed and um, having explosives thrown at them, then they got a little upset. 
but yeah, previous okay. to that. Uh, we were talking about that in the first segment uh, with Daniel, um, the uh, documentary that he uh, just put out has some footage in there where the Capitol Police uh, were talking amongst themselves, uh, saying that, that they were completely set up, that uh, they were telling each other to stop firing into the crowds. And there was some uh, Capitol Police that just had a thirst for just Hammer oh yeah, and you could spot them. I was, I, I could see um, there were specific peoples with like the little launchers for the explosives and the like um, pellet guns, and you could see in their eyes they were like like sick, sick joy for it. Like they were hyped to be shooting people. Um, and then the remainder of the majority of the officers, um, I was in front of one of them, and she was having a panic attack. And I was talking her down and like breathing with her. Um, but she said they were never trained for this. They were never told anything about this. Um, they had no idea what was going on. They had no backup. They wouldn't send them backup. She was freaking out, which is crazy to me because seeing things that have come out said that there was chatter, that it was going to be a huge violent event, that the FBI knew this. Um, and if they knew this, I just am so curious as to why they, because no one else knew it. So if they knew it, then why didn't they have more bike cops or? Yeah, the, the Capitol Police wouldn't have been having those discussions like they were had the yeah. FBI have uh, gotten them together and that communication w- went through the food chain. Uh, yeah, so I think it was an intentional setup, um, not by any of the American people, but by people higher up. It was there's there's too many things that didn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, and as far as an insurrection, I, I common sense dictates that you don't bring a backpack full of bottled water and selfie sticks and mittens. You know, these aren't the common things that you bring to an insurrection. I can ask the grandma that was standing next to me if she had applauded uh, that insurrection. I'll I'll ask her. <laughs> so, so you showed up, fall into a sea of people. Um, you had mentioned that you uh, bumped into some of the uh, wh- wh- which group was it? I want to I don't want to mention the wrong group. You said was it the Proud Boys or the OT yeah. or somebody? Yeah, it was the Proud Boys. And at the time, of- initially meeting them, that wasn't like an introduction. It wasn't like hi, nice to meet you. My name's this. Hi, my name's Proud Boy. No, it was just an exchange of first names, and these people looked like if shit were to go down when you watch the entire year of business owners getting stomped to death outside of their businesses, police officers being lit on fire, like being locked in their patrol cars, like truckers being smashed. So when you see that, not having been to major cities, you're a little on edge. Like you're kind of looking like everyone's happy, but I'm just like, is someone going to bomb us right now? Like is someone going to come out with a knife stabbing people? Because there's a lot of hate directed towards like happy people or people that are just being. So like that was always in the back of my mind and like prepared, especially with my history there's a lot of people that don't have the same like uh, upbringing that I do or that live in the same geographical location that I do. And that was, I didn't think of that until being tried in DC when they would ask me like, why do you have a med kit? Like, what did you think was going to happen that you needed that? And to me, that's like standard operating procedure. Like, of course I have this. I have you, multiple you in every vehicle. I have it in my hunting pack. Like, 
so or travel in the country too. I, I think it would be very in rural places. Like I go where there is no service. So they're like, why do you have this radio? And I'm like, because everywhere I go has no cell service. Like, what do you mean? Why do I have it? Like you guys don't have one. So like, to me, it's common sense, especially when I'm out hunting on the Southern Mexican border cartel. Don't, I don't know if people understand the gravity of them, but you, they will kill you and cut you into tiny pieces. And that's not something that's like far fetched. Like that happens frequently. All yeah. The time. We, so, we some of that down there, the cartel activity all along the border States mm-hmm. is uh, very, very prevalent. It affects the local politics. In fact, if they got someone, yeah, they and really I don't think, like, I don't think people, people know that and it just blows my mind because i go over there and they're like you had a med kit and you had a radio and i'm like yeah of course i did and they they are in their city like high rise with never being shot at (laughs) and like uh, living a comfortable life so it's so it seems to them but to me it's just everyday life yeah yeah I was recently sharing a story uh, of a person out here in my neck of the woods out in Boston. This is going back a few years. Uh, but I remember it being all over the news in the newspapers uh, that they caught him with a big store of guns. You know, <laughs> guns was the, the thing. And, and he had prep food. And, you know, a couple of few days later, like buried on page seven. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, all the guns were actually legal and, and licensed properly and, and they were 100 percent legal. So they started hammering on this poor guy for being some kind of a domestic extremist. Which is crazy. Of- like our right is to have guns. Like if you have an entire room full of guns, food. God bless. It was the As it should be. They ignored the gun part because it came out they were all perfectly legal and they started. Well, they still the so in country. charging documents. There are people, I don't know if it was one of my co-defendants or where I saw it, but there was a person being charged for January 6th and him and his wife had gone to, gone to um, like a gun class. Like, I don't know if it was gun safety or like it was some sort of gun class and he had a certificate of completion and him and all the other classmates that did this gun training took a picture together and they used that in his charging documents, like as an extremist. And I'm like, he's going to a gun safety class. Like what the, it's just. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they used to uh, actually teach that and right in my high school. I'm dating myself a little bit here, but I remember taking hunter safety course right in the cafeteria of my high school. Yeah. So can you imagine taking that being hunted down at gunpoint by your own government and then having that gun safety class used against you? Yeah, I, and uh, everything else, two-way radios, uh, med kits, the, I, I imagine they, they yeah. just write down. Yeah, you have freeze-dried food. Yeah. That's terroristic activity in their eyes. Like, it's crazy. Right. So so you show up there in the sea of people, and you huddle up here. You see a group of guys that look, it sounds like, a, you know, it was a, uh, a feeling of, of security, I guess. And he's huddled yeah. up with them. I'm small. I'm like five foot one, tiny, tiny. So when there's that many people, I'm like, if shit goes down, like I have a med kit on me, like I can help somebody. I was like, but I kind of want to stick with them. Like they look like they can like protect me. If I'm huddled in there, nothing's going to happen. So, so the gates went down, the crowd starts surging in. Uh, As you get up to the doors, uh, what were, you know, were the police uh, still trying to stop people or did they? No, they never. I don't know if they ever, like, I think, 
I think at the initial breach, they were like, whoa, guys. And then it was done. Like, it was never, it was never, they never, even before they started gassing and throwing explosives, they never called to disperse. They never, upon entering, I wasn't there for the initial um, breach of the actual capital. But upon immediately entering, it was soon after. And there was still police there to my left, to my right, sitting up on like a little rail with her. It looked like an AR. Just, just chilling, just letting people walk on by. I went up to one. I walked right through the doors, looked to my left, saw a line of them. And I was like, hey, guys, like, what's up? Like, and they're like, oh, nothing. I was like, can I help you? Like, do anything? Like, which way do I go? And they're like, oh, you can head down that way. Like, no worries. And I was like, okay, love you. Turned around, headed down the way they told me. Wow. So you kind of. And there was some even showing us support. Like, they were like, this is fucking badass. Like, some loved it. Yeah, like, I saw a lot of videos of that. They were just waving them on through and, uh, let, you know, pointing the way, telling them which direction to go. Yeah. And I watched so many people walking between the velvet ropes. Not not yeah. quite what I would imagine in an insurrection. But and the, fact the, wor- the fact that they use that word just annoys the heck out of me because there was not a single charge for insurrection for anybody. That's a fact. I knew we were in trouble, um, you know, that evening as people were still leaving and going home. And I saw what the mainstream uh, prostitutes were doing. I said, I don't even think they waited until the evening because I got out of there. I was only inside for just a little bit. And then as soon as shots were fired, I was with police officers. As soon as shots were fired, they said, hey, guys, we just got radio that shots were fired. Like, we're going to need you guys to head out now. And we're like, cool, no worries. Turned around, started waving everyone like, hey, we got to we got to leave. After we're picking up trash, like everyone started, anyone that heard us and our group just kind of like walked out. Um, and then immediately after that, went home. Also, we weren't, weren't able to get out. So once we left the Capitol, no one was letting everybody move down the stairs. So we ended up having to like rappel off the side of the stairs to even get out. Um, by that point, immediately left, went back to our hotel turned on the news and they had images already a whole story images everything it was already completely done yeah and the word word insurrection was already out there that's when they began with the narrative of an insurrection uh started before people even got home yeah so with with images of it which is crazy because i was like i didn't see that like i was physically just there myself and how do all of these news channels already have complete stories on it like it was wild to me yeah we had already agreed that we were going to rendezvous at four o'clock and you know our our group uh, that was traveling together and on our way out uh we stopped and talked to a couple of capitol police that were out at the outer perimeter uh, near one of the parking areas and i uh, told them i, I we heard uh, that someone was shot and they both chuckled and said, oh, no, if there was a shot, believe me, this place would be swarming with helicopters and jeeps and all kinds of things. And it turns out that uh, someone was, in fact, uh, shot. But they didn't even know or were at least telling us there wasn't. Um, um, <laughs> it sounds like one of your, your there's uh, uh, trying to get in on the interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm like, good. just one hour, honey. <laughs> <laughs> good 
So um, one of the things that came up when we were discussing charges of, of, from some of the others uh, was uh, failing to leave. If they were trespassing and they, they failed to leave, uh, was there any point in there where any of the Capitol Police uh, looked at you or the group you were with and said, you've got to uh, leave now? No. All right. Is, well, was, okay, let me take that back. At the end, when shots were fired and we were talking to police, they said, all right, we just got word shots fired. We need you guys to leave now. And we're like, no worries, we got you. Because at no point prior to that did they tell us to. They were just like, yeah, you can go down that way. Like, didn't talk to us. Like, um, And then once they did say that, we're like, all right, like, let's go. And we immediately yeah, right. went right back out the way we came in. All right. Was that one of the charges that uh, you were facing? Um, I, I don't have all, I think I was facing over five of them and I don't have them in front of me. I know it was like obstruction of official proceeding, aiding and abetting, um, obstruction of law enforcement, aiding and abetting. And then like the other ones were like the trespassing ones. Um, and I pled because of if people listen to the previous segment with Daniel, he's very accurate on people saying, no, you should fight this but not you don't want to fight it in D.C. Like, those are not your peers, and they want your head on a stick. So I, I pled down um, after years. I just did this. So they um, rounded me up at gunpoint on uh, February of 2020, 2021. Yeah. Um, while I was pregnant. And then just recently, a month ago, was uh, finally... Um- how long did they keep you in jail? Did they process you and let you go? Uh, no. So I was there for maybe two weeks initially. Um, but the FBI rounded me up. They tried to interrogate me, um, sat in solitary confinement the entirety of the time. And they did not want to let me go. And some of my co-defendants were not let go. They are transported to D.C. and are still in jail right now. So wow. it was really, really hard to even get out of jail initially. Um, and I don't know if I think a lot of these people are soulless, but I, I do think that there's some souls um, because my children would have been taken and put into custody because I'm a single mom and I was pregnant. So I think all of that, along with not having any assets, not having any ties outside of the country, like they argued excessively to get me out. And they did finally let me out, but I was stuck on home confinement the entirety of my pregnancy. So for almost up to a year after the initial arrest. And that time doesn't count towards any time served or any, um, it doesn't count towards anything. It was just something that they wanted to do was to put an ankle monitor on me and ensure that I could not leave my house, which is in a very rural area. So I was unable to work, unable to go get groceries, unable to do anything. So there was, it was, um, it was not a good not a good pregnancy because there was at times many months where I was losing weight instead of gaining weight. Um, I remember like actually like I was starving. I was so hungry the whole time. And there was actually people um, in California that like networked to get me groceries to my house at one point, which was really, really amazing. I don't see how they can expect people to, uh, to simply exist if they're yeah. unable to maintain an income, uh, I mean, you're just having a roof over your head costs money, uh, let alone feeding yourself and keeping the power on. So they've yeah. created a nearly impossible situation. 
Oh, and they don't care. Yeah. They, they, their words exactly were, I was a danger to society, so I needed to be confined. And if I wasn't able to be confined in solitary confinement in prison, then I needed to be confined strictly to my house. Um, around seven or eight months, I finally did get authorization to be able to go work only um, with a pre-planned schedule. But <laughs> going on interviews and trying to obtain a job while being eight months pregnant and on an ankle monitor was... I would like, I don't know if you, you can imagine that, but it was not easy. Yeah, uh, I did. I did get a job, <laughs> but oh. Oh, it was uh, a job where I was on my hands and knees scrubbing stuff, but it was something so I could eat. And then I gave birth um, and then I had to go back to work. And then when I did go back to work, I moved up very quickly. Um, and th- those are the two um, long term kind of jobs that I've had that. I was immediately terminated from upon my return from DC. So, well, uh, you were recently sentenced. You, you went to uh, the trial. Uh, they stacked on, uh, which is customary. We talked about this in the first segment too. It's the oldest trick in the book: is they pad the charges and they just put a mountain of things on there, mm-hmm. literally playing with your your life and your your future here. Uh, but they, they had you uh, for a potential of 36 years, correct? Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, those are some of the larger uh, federal felonies that they ultimately uh, uh, took off. And it was, was it just misdemeanors that they. Yeah. And they didn't take them off willingly. I've gone through three different attorneys because uh, your last kind of mention in your last thing was about mama bears. Yeah. Um, to try and threaten to separate a mother from her children, especially one, like I've been a mom since I was 15 years old. Like that's how old my oldest son is. I have two. Um, that was, that was not, that was not possible. So the first attorney laughed and he said, it's not up to you. You're going to jail. Maybe you'll get 20 years. Um, I told him to F off is a nice way to put what I told him. I got another attorney. Um, that attorney was a snake in the grass. He said he was helping me out. He was not helping me out. He set me up multiple times um, with Nancy Pelosi's daughter, with doing um, unnecessary interviews with prosecutors and FBI agents that was later used against me. Um, he was not a good person. So that was the second attorney. And I told him, too, I said, I will not be taken away from my kids. And he's like, you don't want to fight the U.S. government. Like, you need to be happy with four to nine years. And then I, again, told him to F off. And then I found my final attorney, who was very realistic, but also heeded the warning. Like, I told him, and I was like, I will go so, so big. Like, if I they take me away from my kids. I said, that's all I have. And the passion and aggression and the, like, countless hours especially when i was stuck on home confinement the entirety of my pregnancy i'm just growing this human that he was he was ai artificial insemination so i had planned for him for about three years and then had the procedure done and then was rounded up by the fbi very recently after the procedure was done because i didn't know i was getting arrested um and so, like, to be growing this human that I had planned for for so long and wanted so badly to think in my head that I was going to give birth in prison and he'd be ripped away from me and I'd never see him again, that was very motivating. So I spent every morning and night awake researching 
uh, legalese and laws and cases um, for for a long time. So not only was I did I become kind of my own attorney, but I also found the physical best one that I could afford, which I couldn't afford um, and still can't afford. You bring up time. something that's more common than a lot of people realize is they almost become their own best legal advocates. Mm-hmm. Is they're forced to do what you did. And, you know, especially yes. for January 6th, because the attorneys that are taking on these cases, my attorney was very yeah, liberal. Fine. So, but so if you had them, they were it working. It doesn't matter because they're breaking the law. So that's why he was upset because he's very liberal. He's not a Republican, but he believes in the law. And he fights like a fire breathing dragon for that law. And so the fact that they're breaking the law openly and don't care really upset him so he took on quite a few january 6th cases for way less like he's almost he's like paying out of his own pocket right now to defend these people which is insane you know uh, all right we got a break coming up uh felicia stay with us uh we'll be uh back right after these uh quick messages everyone else hit that thumbs up button share you listen to red pill politics on republic broadcasting network We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Living down words. Swear I spend more Sundays drunk off my ass than I have in church. Hardcover King James only been saving dust on the nightstand. And I don't know what to say. By the time I fold my hands, I only talk to God when I need a favor. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee that's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. 
So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read one. This product has been a godsend for my father, who suffered from a heart attack about two years ago. He was prescribed medications for his condition, which was so serious, he almost died. But he hasn't been able to afford most of the medications. After researching alternatives that were more affordable, he tried Extendivite. Since taking it, he has consistently lower blood pressure and experiences less angina. We are currently on our fifth bottle. I enthusiastically recommend this product, and I am grateful that it is available. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Takes you listen to Republic Broadcasting Network at republicbroadcasting.org. Please do have that saved into your favorites. Head over there. We've got great programming seven days a week to feed your brain. Check them out. Share them around. Hit that donation button, all that good stuff, because we are listener-funded. That's why we get to talk about things like J6 political prisoners Phony vaccines disguised as bioweapons, or I said that backwards, bioweapons disguised as vaccines. We can talk about that here. Agenda 21, how it's gobbling up your communities right now. All right. The border situation, something that's affecting all 50 states, told you so. And, and it's getting worse, folks. It's getting worse. Um, we're joined this week is a special, I'm dedicating today's show, uh, to our friend, Pat. She used to call in, uh, quite a bit, not only to Red Pill Politics, but some of the other programs here. She was a faithful listener and boy, if you go back in my archives and listen to the past shows where she called in, um, she always was thinking about the J6ers. That was a big thing for her. So, uh, we're going to dedicate today's show, uh, to Pat First segment, we were talking with Daniel Goodwin, done some great stuff, stophate.com slash J6. Go there, check it out. There's a full documentary, contact list to uh, communicate with the J6 political prisoners. Lots of information to go through, so do check that out. In this segment, 
uh, were joined with another J6 political prisoner who is a single mom who uh, just got through sentencing. Uh, we were talking about, um, you know, what led up to uh, her being charged. And she basically showed up on uh, uh, on January 6th in D.C., huddled up with a bunch of guys that looked like it was a safe place to be and kind of toured through the Capitol, only to uh, wind up with a stack of charges uh, in potential 36 uh, years in prison. All right, as a mom of two. Uh, Felicia Canald, uh, thanks for uh, joining us this week. And let's uh, uh, pick up kind of where we left off here. Uh, you were facing a big stack of charges. Um, you finally found a lawyer. It sounds like you worked through a couple, two or three of them before you finally found one that was actually working for you and not them and was able to uh, help hold your family together. Um, so what was the, the final outcome in uh Oh, what's things looking like for you right now? Yeah, so I was charged with a felony for obstruction, obstruction of officers or aiding and abetting. Um, I will serve time in prison. They did allow me to self-surrender, so I'll be self-surrendering here in a few weeks. Um, and once I'm done with my prison time, I will return home and be placed back on home confinement. So you're you're still not going to be able to go out and be productive and work and support your family. Correct. How long? And, this is like, and I, I liked whenever Daniel said that the three years of fighting or dealing with this is, is punishment, because it is. Like you, I've been banned off of all sorts of Facebook, Instagram, Weeble, Robinhood, Fidelity, um, Swipe, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, like I've, so not only am I unable to go find a physical job and when I do, I get, I did, um, immediately fired due to having a felony, but then other routes of payment, if I sell, if I bake bread and sell it, if I go clean someone's house and sell it, like they can't pay me through any of those routes. Um, a lot of those companies like PayPal seized money. I had money in those accounts and they, this was, and this was years ago when it first happened, even though I'm still banned, um, they took the money <laughs> they didn't give it back to anybody. Um, so it's, it's been three years of torture, honestly, a year of home confinement, um, being starved, restricted to your house, the PTSD from that, um, and yeah. physical mutilation from that is not fun, which I will revisit again after I get back from prison. But um, the judgment, the hate, a lot of people are awakening to it being a setup and like seeing the truth. Um, I didn't know that a lot of people weren't so educated about it. Because to me, like when they came out with um, all that the footage that was approved to be released, everyone messaged me and was like, oh, this for sure is going to like be great for you. And I can't help but laugh at it because... We already have known this. A, I was there. I saw it firsthand that none of this is true. B, our defense and attorneys and prosecutors all have seen the innocent proving footage and they don't this care. Part of the warfare that's taken on, you know, and we see that uh, Trump got Alex Jones because they basically used the same uh, legal tactics 
where evidence like that would would be put forward, you know, yeah. tangible, real, actual evidence, and, and some judge just looks at it and dismisses it. Yeah, and they don't if care. They don't try a case based on the evidence that only they let through. They can just tell a story of guilt, just like the J6 committee. That whole committee, in my estimation, should be the one. That they chose. The people they chose to be on that committee are the people they wanted to be on that committee. And the the investigation they did on that committee committee is only the investigation that they wanted to investigate. So uh, two things. What was uh, the final disposition of your prison sentence and what is the length of time that they've hobbled you after you get out to where they uh, have you on home confinement? How yeah, so, so it went from the 36 years, and then I got it dropped to about, I think it was four to nine years. And then recently, um, my attorney prepped me prior to sentencing, like, best case scenario is six months. Um, and then I go into court, and I had an extensive list of character letters that were really heavy. Like some of those things said in those letters were very, very um, motivating that I told him, I was like, even if you don't have a soul, like, like this is real stuff that I've done and it is life, life-saving stuff that I've done for people that, and they were able to write about it. So the judge already had his mind made up. And then after I read my address to the court and my letter to the court, um, and after he read my character witness statements, he called for a recess, he came back, and then he sentenced me to 45 days in prison and everyone in the court, my attorney, who is very realistic, um, the prosecutor, they were shook. They had no words. And I remember the judge and then um, three months of home confinement after that. So I remember the judge looking at the prosecutor and because he'll do whatever the prosecutor wants. Um, I remember him turning to the prosecutor and looking at him and saying, do you have any objections to the sentence? And the prosecutor who had been reaming me the whole sentencing, like they get to show all of this pre-cut, pre-edited footage um, in the sentencing, but we get to show no defense at all. Did they and there show- is no defense. Even if we were to show a defense, the judge wouldn't care. Their mind is made up. They think this is the worst thing that has ever happened um, and that Did these people show- are evil and deserve to be punished. So Did they show even one evidence in what they offered? of you actually committing a violent act of any kind? Or no, I didn't. Or guilt through association? Because they already pretty much pegged the Proud Boy, so it, they probably just, you know, tried to attach you to them. Yeah, I was attached to them and charged with them the entirety of my sentencing. Um, but they, it, um, just be being clear, there, that there was no violent first, acts or anything. To be clear, that day was the first day that you met or interacted with any of them, right? Yeah, which is really funny because they, um, and they know that, which is like the funniest part to me is they still tried me the entire three years as a proud boy, knowing that I am not a proud boy because through of their extensive research and investigation, like they stalk, they stalk you. They know details. They know me better than I know myself. That's how much they dig into these people. Um, so knowing all of that, they still tried me as a proud boy the entirety of these three years. Um, and I can't help but just laugh at that. Are you hopeful? And and I kind of ran this by with uh, Daniel too, and I'm going to uh, run it by you as well. Are you hopeful uh, that uh, if Trump wins, you will be pardoned? No. Okay. 
I think a lot of people, this might be a bit rash, but a lot of people, I don't know if ignorant is the word, but a lot of people have this like, I don't know, like they think he is a golden ticket to something. He was in office when we were rounded up and arrested. He has pushed the vaccine extensively. I don't, I'm not on either side of it. I think there's two heads to one snake. And I think a lot of people saying, well, Trump will do this. It's just their way of feeling good about themselves for not doing anything. Is that they hope this magic person in the sky is going to fix everything? No, you fix it. You have to stand up and you have to do physical actions for change to happen. Those are just puppets in a playhouse. So that's kind of, that's, that's kind of my view on it. And I think that we were all entrapped for them to try and get him, which doesn't make sense to me because there's pictures of him kissing Hillary Clinton and like being BFFs. So there's a lot of conflicting stuff out there, but over the years, for sure, he's, uh, you know, been right in there with that den of vipers uh, the whole time. And uh, you're correct. He has done great stuff, but I think people saying that he's going to fix stuff is just them diverting from having to do stuff themselves. They intentionally keep all Americans dead by having to work 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week so that when you get home, you have no energy to fight for yourself or your children. They do that on purpose. Yeah, And those with children, and I got to tell you, um, people in your position, um, I'm very fearful for because... Boy, do they target your kids quickly. They know darn well what uh, that connection between uh, mom and child and dad and child. Uh, Dads don't lose their children either. Um, That's a powerful threat to hold over uh, someone's head. But they've already they've been doing it for so long, like taking them right whenever school started. People, everyone was homeschooled. As soon as they started commercial schooling, that's when it started to go downhill. And yeah. people don't know what they're teaching their kids. And I'm so thankful that there's been such an uprise in homeschooling because I refuse. No, I will work. I worked overnight in the ER and ICU for the past year and a half, two years. And I would drive. I couldn't find a job closer than two hours away. So I would drive two hours to my ER, work 13, 14, 15 hours straight overnight with no breaks in ER drive two hours back home, come home, cook breakfast, start homeschooling, clean up after the kids, and do it again. I worked mm. over 60 hours a week and well, just maybe, to survive. Uh, thinking outside of the box, maybe you could take a couple of things that you're passionate about, uh, you know, the animal husbandry stuff and the things that you're, you know, the organic gardening, uh, maybe uh, package up something uh, that can be shared uh, with the homeschool community. Maybe give you some well, more a lot of them do that anyways <laughs> yeah oh yeah i'm sure uh, so it's not really like that one, I, I like i like your um your entrepreneurial ideas but a lot of homeschool or like homesteading mamas they already do those things yeah yeah I, i'm thinking of a way to uh, uh keep you productive uh maybe and it's, it's hard though because three a lot of people will come up with ideas but this is their ideas are like a hundred bucks a week. And that's not the money I need to make to sustain life. That is not life sustaining money. So I need to be able to be with my children because I can't afford childcare and I don't have family to support. So I need to be able to be with my children during the day while also supporting them. So like, so it's, it's going to be a niche. Um, and I'm still trying, I've been filling out many applications every single day, even though prior to going away in prison, 
I'm not like, I'm not going to get any long-term job or I don't know if I'll get anything in those few weeks, like just to work a few weeks to be able to go away for a month and a half or more. Um, and then to get out and be on home confinement, I'm not going to be able to have anything either. So being fired immediately after my sentencing from my long-term jobs really like did me in. I've opened up excessive amounts of credit cards over the last three years, all of like any possible credit card I could have opened, I did to just survive. Um, you're not allowed to view your evidence or defense from a distance. So you have to be with your attorney. So out of my pocket, I would have to figure out how to sustain my life and family minimally. We get by with very little um, while also simultaneously traveling so that I'm not imprisoned for 36 years. And mm -hmm. then to be to plead guilty, I had to travel to D.C. And then to be sentenced, I had to travel back to D.C. all within the last few months. So do, having to stretch that thin, a non-existent, and then come back and be like, hey, we know you just got legally charged, so we have to let you go. Like, we don't want to, but it's just company policy and corporate said someone contacted them and let them know. Yeah. Unbelievable. And this is happening times a thousand, everyone who's uh, being impacted. Yeah, yes. and that's kind of why I want to speak out, too, is because previously I was unable to. Previous to being sentenced, I was not able to because it would be used against me 100%. Um, so now that I am sentenced, it could potentially be used against me, but the chances are less likely. And then speaking a little bit about it and finding out how many people don't know the severity of what is going on just kind of blows my mind. Well, uh, we've got uh, like three or four minutes left here to, to wrap up. Um, I do believe you've got a one count that's still left active that people can participate in if they'd like to help. Uh, it's give, send, go. Yeah, so I made a give, send, go previously. It was censored. And then I recently, um, a month or two ago, made another one. And that one so far has been good and stayed up. It's not been act like really... Um, active but it's still up so i'm very thankful for that and have high hopes for that because that's what i will depend on for the next good while until i'm able to find a place to employ me through the felony or um figure out how to kind of survive and keep my house and keep my kids okay well we got that link down in the description and for those that are listening give send go dot com slash felicia one two three uh, check that out. Give if you can. Um, I talked to you before the show. You've uh, uh, got a good, safe place for uh, for your kids while you do your uh, forty-five day stay at the at the Fed. Um, yeah. Well, I have a good, safe place if I can get them there and afford for their care while they're there. Because no family is doing real well off right now. So they they said if you're able to financially support them we will physically support them while you're away so that's my number one goal okay and that's what the give send go will help uh, support yeah because they're in a different state too so i'd have to travel um the kids there and back and then have their support for that time okay and real quick what would be uh you know in, in you know 60 seconds what would be your advice because you're still rounding people up they're yeah still it's just to do something like i mentioned before with don't think that somebody else is going to do it and you just have to wait. That's what they want and what they've wanted forever is you just sit and wait in hopes that someone else will do something. Do it yourself. 
with anything in life, don't hope somebody else does it. Don't see a piece of trash on the ground and think the person next to you is going to pick it up. You pick it up. Like you can do it. You have a lot of power in yourself. And I just hope people reign in their power and physically start doing things themselves. Because a lot of little voices together become a really big voice. Yep, yep. Right now we got the government we deserve because uh, we gave them silent consent to do much of what they're doing yeah. right now. We hope somebody else was going to do it. Everyone just sat huh. there. No, that would never happen. Yeah, God never, <laughs> God never uh, meant for us to lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. Yeah, so, eventually you have to get up and throw that rock at the giant. Yeah, You don't just sit there and pray, so... Excellent. Well, um, thank you for uh, uh, standing up. Um, you were at the uh, the right place for the right reason. The, uh, there was a million people there um, peaceably assembling, seeking redress of grievance. This was strictly a First Amendment event that was only weaponized, I believe, to this day. Evidence will continue to come out that only supports the fact that if there was an insurrection, it was from those planned on the inside. Yeah, I'm just going to come out and call it, well, what it is, is there was a lot of things that were done avoidably. The police felt they were set up. Uh, just things they were, and I feel bad for them because they were. Yeah. Well, you know what? I do resonate with your uh, thoughts on uh, the pardon uh, because Trump did have um, opportunity before he left office uh, to deal with this decisively through executive action. Um, but I am going to stay hopeful. I'm going to. Um, yeah, and like I mentioned, if enough little people have a big enough voice, maybe. But they have to have that voice and they have to do action. Them just assuming it's going to happen and not taking any physical action, just clicking, clicking online and just watching and liking, that doesn't do it. You have to physically go out and do stuff. Yeah. Well, let, let's stay in uh, touch, Felicia, uh, when you know where, how we can get in touch with you. Uh, make sure uh, you get in touch with me so we can send you a letter, too. Yeah, uh, and I'm on that um, America Stop Hate backslash January 6th. Okay, good deal. Well, hopefully uh, you're going to hear uh, from some of our listeners. We're going to keep you cheered up as best we can. And uh, let's touch base again. Will do. Thank Excellent. you for having me on. Thanks so much for taking the time, and uh, God bless your efforts out there. Thanks for standing up, and um, we'll be getting updates from you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely right, folks. We have got to all stand up and and take back our republic. We're losing the republic. Their government is acting with impunity. They've weaponized all three branches of government up to and including the judiciary. You cannot look at what's been going on. The, the, uh, what they did to Alex Jones, love him or hate him, all right? I really don't care what you think about the guy personally, but look at the way the, the procedures and the things that they did in his trials. That's why I, I, I've been saying that, you know, Donald Trump got Alex Jones because they've done the exact same thing. With, with Trump, you know, they fabricated uh, the value of his property. He had contracts. Contracts should mean something. And this is why you're seeing uh, uh, the fall away, the blowback in New York right now is investors. And in, the left can try to put lipstick on this pig if they want to, but they're just lying directly to your face. But people are fleeing New York. They're fleeing Massachusetts, too. 
all these leftist areas, man, they're imploding because of their policies. And and these are are not just random bad decisions. These are people that hate the Constitution. They want to take down capitalism. They're substituting capitalism with something else right now. It is not capitalist. And it is not synced up seamlessly with with, uh, the Commerce Clause of our Constitution. That's what made us powerful. And it was the individuals, it wasn't government. Well, now they're acting with impunity. And when you catch them, they're making it illegal for you to question them. They're perverting your children. (laughs) I don't know. They're not going to stop. Your silent consent is not going to stop them. I honestly don't know, folks. Anyways, thanks for uh, tuning in this week. It's been an absolute hoot, as always. Um, Love to have you on my mailing list, redpillpolitics.tv. It's a place to do that and catch out, uh, check out this show and our other snarky musings, republicbroadcasting.org. You're going to want to be over there checking out uh, seven days a week. Great programs there. Um, Please get involved. All right. Love and appreciate y'all. Fly your flags high. Keep your powder dry. Love each other out there. We'll see you next week. Would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive! Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? 
It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com, and hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. Handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because.